Good morning, family. My name is Letabo, and I serve at the Students' Ministry here at church, and I'll be doing the Bible reading for us this morning. Our Bible reading is coming from Proverbs 23, verse 17 to 21, then Proverbs 24, verse 1 to 6, then verse 9 to 20. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there's a future and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Proverbs 24, verse 1 to 6. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Verse 19 to 20. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll get straight to God's word. Our dear Heavenly Father, we praise you that in the Lord Jesus you have saved us and that you have made us your own. Father, we have times when we struggle with sin, we struggle with envy. So as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, to correct us, to rebuke us, and to remind us of the hope that is found in the gospel. Hope that is found and the Father who has adopted us as his own. And this we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've got it. I want it. You've got it. I want it. This is what the envious heart says. You've got it. I want it. Christian from a long time ago, called Thomas Aquinas, puts it this way. He says, Envy is sorrow for another's good. And so envy is seeing another person's good and desiring it. But not just desiring it, but feeling resentful that you don't. Because you think you deserve it. So that's what envy is. So for the most time you find that you're unhappy, you're angry, and resentful that this person has happiness in their lives that you don't. Again, a happiness that you feel you deserve. At the heart of envy, this is what you find. And so we must see in this morning that envy isn't just about comparing ourselves to others, but it is a comparison that leads you to, towards feeling resentful about the other person's good. 
in the mid-2000s, there was a movie called Envy. And this movie had Ben Stiller, who plays the character Tim, and Jack Black, who plays the character Nick. Tim is a stand-up guy, does things by the books, whereas Nick is a bit of a foolish guy. He, he just does whatever he wants, comes up with various inventions that never really work. But at some point, Nick comes up with an invention that becomes successful. This invention is called Vaporize. Vaporize because this is a spray that makes dog poop disintegrate and disappear. Where to is anyone's guess. But this product becomes so successful that whenever team looks at Nick's success, he hates it. He resents it because he feels like he should have it. He resents the fact that Nick is so successful. And Nick at some point actually decides that he'll try and help him. But because he's so resentful of the good that Nick has, he turns away that help from him. And as you watch the rest of the movie, what you realize about Nick is this. About Tim, rather. He becomes green with envy. And I'm not sure if you know where that phrase comes from, green with envy. Uh, some people think it dates back as far as the ancient Greeks. They think in ancient Greek mythology, vices like envy or jealousy would trigger an overproduction of bile in Nyongo that would cause the skin of a person to turn green or their eyes to turn green. And so, obvi- and so often, someone who was envious was often called a green-eyed monster. And that's what envy does, isn't it? It makes us sick. And in one sense, it makes us monstrous as well in the way that we relate to other people. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says this, Envy makes the bones rot. It corrupts you from the inside out. It changes the kind of person you become around other people. And this is why envy is so dangerous, because it doesn't just oppose the other person, but it corrupts and destroys the one who carries it. Envy is no fun at all. I mean, this is why even the great villain in Shakespeare's Othello, Iago said, Beware, my lord, of envy or jealousy. It is a green-eyed monster that, that mocks the meat it feeds on. Envy feeds on you and mocks you for being petty and small. That's what envy does. But I'm certain that in a room this big as I look around, if I asked if anyone here has ever struggled with envy or struggles with envy, very few hands would go up. I mean, it's the one character flaw or sin that none of, that none of us struggles with, Right? It's beneath us. It's beneath us to ever feel envious. Me, Reggie, envious? No. That's what most of us think. And yet as you read through the scriptures, you see that the Bible is littered with stories of people who are envious. I mean, from the very first story, you see Eve, envious of the wisdom that God has. You should include Adam in that, in that category as well. Right in the middle, you've got Saul, who's envious of David. In the New Testament, you've got Simon the sorcerer, 
was also envious. Envy is all throughout the Bible. But here's the wonderful thing the Bible tells us as well. It doesn't just tell us about how broken we are. It tells us where hope can be found. It tells us that there is a way to overcome this sickness, to overcome this monster in our lives, so that you and I live as people with pure hearts, people who've got hearts that are full of love, people who are directed by wisdom. So as we turn to our passage today, and it's, a, it's an interesting passage, Proverbs 23 and 24. Uh, it's considered to be part three in part four, section four, three and four rather, in Proverbs, there's seven sections. And this section here is called the, way, the, the words of the wise. And these words have a lot to say about envy and how to deal with it and the hope that you and I can find in it. So three points as we come to our passage today. The very first one is the heart of envy. Our second point, the hell of envy. And our last point is the hope in envy, the gospel hope in envy. Let's look at our first point, the heart of envy. And we'll read verse 17 of chapter 23 of Proverbs together. Listen to what it says. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. You see that? You're actually given a category, a group of people, in this case, that you ought not to envy. And these are the people who are, call, who are called here, as you see, sinners. A bit later, they're called the wicked, or those who are foolish, those who reject God's way of life. You're told not to envy them. Now, now the question to ask would be, why would those who are walking in God's way envy those who don't walk in God's way? Well, as you read through Proverbs, this is one of the things that you see. Proverbs actually says this to you. If you live by the right way, then it is likely, an important word, likely, that things will work right for you. And so Proverbs actually is about probabilities rather than promises. If you live in this way, it's likely that things will work out for you in that way. But Proverbs and the rest of the Bible as you and I have also seen in life, sometimes people who cut corners, people who don't think, do things by the right way, seem to do well, isn't it? Sometimes it seems they do much better than those who do things the right way. And so it can be tempting to envy those who are sinners. But there's a principle that we are taught here about the heart of envy that applies whether the envy is directed to someone who's a sinner or someone who's not doesn't matter who the envy is directed to. There's a principle here that we are taught about envy that is helpful. A principle that helps us to see the heart of envy. Look at verse 17 once again. Verse 17 says, Let not your heart envy. You see that? But notice what it says as it continues. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Can you see the contrast there? The contrast is, let not your heart envy, but fear the Lord. Worship the Lord. Trust the Lord. See, when you are trusting God, when your faith or your confidence is in God, it's very likely that you won't struggle as much with envy. But what envy actually reveals is this. It reveals our lack of trust in God. 
our lack of trust in his goodness, our lack of fear of him. One author actually puts it this way. Listen to it. At the root, envy is a lack of trust that God is really looking out for you, that he really has your best interest at heart. And so eventually you dislike God's goodness in someone else's life while diminishing or downplaying his goodness in your life. That's what envy does. It shows our lack of trust in the character of God. And Paul Tripp even takes it a bit further by saying this. If doubt questions the goodness of God and worry questions the presence of God, then envy questions the wisdom of God, his wisdom in dispensing or spreading his goodness. And so often you and I find ourselves thinking, surely God can't have meant that for me. Surely God can't have meant that I'm experiencing this while that person who doesn't seem to be living for him is experiencing all the good that they, they're experiencing. See, what envy does is this. It declares that you would make a better ruler of the universe than the actual ruler of the universe. I mean, we might not verbalize it, we might not say it, but at the heart of it, that's what it says. You don't trust God's goodness, his faithfulness, God, I'll make better decisions on who gets goodness than you would. That's what envy does. And see, even when we know that the scriptures tell us that God's reign falls on the just and the unjust, those who are righteous and those who are not, we still begrudge God that he does that. That's what envy at the heart of it does. It shakes a hand at God and says, you are unfair. You're unfair in how you dispense your goodness. The heart of it is what envy does. This reminds me of a story of a particular preacher. His name is Matt Chandler. You've probably heard, you, you would have heard of him. Matt Chandler, when he was in hospital, this is after he had found a diagnosis that he's got cancer. And he was about to go through the gru- grueling process of chemotherapy. As he's sitting in the hospital, there's pictures from people in his church that have been put all around the hospital room. And as he sits there, he looks at one family. And as he looks at that family, he sees a husband and a father who's terrible. That man is a terrible father and a terrible husband. And at that moment, he says to himself, God, really? That guy, he gets good health. While I, who has served you, am here? And at that moment, the spirit convicts him of his older brother syndrome in Luke 15. Convicts him. And immediately at that moment, he realizes his lack of trust in the goodness of God. Yes, the older brother in Luke 15 wants the father's things as much as the younger brother does. But you must also see that he does not trust the goodness of the father. That when the father says, what I have is yours, that he doesn't actually believe that. At the heart of it, this is what envy does. Have you been there? Have you ever felt like that? Am I the only one who's ever felt that way? Who's looked at God and thought, God, I don't get it. Them? I think if most of us were honest, we would say we've had times like that. But because often we don't like being honest about our struggles, here's one of the things that envy does. It hides. It hides because it's too humiliating even for ourselves to admit to, admit to it. And it can hide in something else other than itself. Envy can hide behind justice. 
Now, don't get me wrong. It's good that people want justice. But sometimes behind the desire for justice, that they should get things right, that they should get what's coming to them, is actually envy. Sometimes behind a desire for justice is that envy. But if you're not convinced as yet, let me give you a few statements one author has used to diagnose the heart of envy so you can see where you are. Here's the very first statement that helps you to see whether your lack of trust in God is showing up as envy. One, you can see that you are envious when you aren't happy for others when they achieve success. You're just not happy. Two, you feel the need to diminish someone else's success. Or you're just overcritical of someone. You have someone like that in your life. doesn't matter how much they do, whether it's good or not. You're just overcritical of them. You can never say anything good about them. And third, he says, you can see that your, your heart is envious when you are happy when others face setbacks. I mean, you could see the decisions he was making. It makes sense his marriage has ended. It makes sense that things have gone this way in his business. That's what envy does. See, that's the heart of envy. That green-eyed, that green-eyed monster, and it is ugly. It is ugly because it is actually the opposite of a love for God and love for others. It is antithetical to the gospel. This is the heart of envy. Have you been there? Are you there now? Keep holding. There's hope in our third point. But before we get to the hope, let's think about the hell of envy, which is our second point. And I'll read for us from verse 19 to verse 21. We'll come back to verse 18 a bit later. Listen to what verse 19 says. Hear my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among the drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to, will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. And let's look at chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. We'll just stop there. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Now Bruce Walkie, who's a wonderful commentator, he makes comments on just a number of verses or just in the Bible. This is what he says about this section. He says, as you read through this section, actually, in Proverbs 23 and 24, you notice that there's a particular word that is repeated, and it's the word heart. And it's actually there in verse 19. If you saw it, direct your heart in the way of the Lord. This word is actually used a number of times here in Proverbs. So as to say, if your heart is directed towards God's ways, you'll find yourself on a path that is not disastrous. You'll find yourself in a path that does not lead to your destruction. But Proverbs also acknowledges that those who actually choose the path of foolishness, who choose to reject God's wisdom or God's ways, then they choose a path that leads to destruction. And that destruction is actually explained to us in the two metaphors that are used in verse 20. Look at verse 20 once again. Verse 20 says, Be not among the drunkards, and among the gluttonous eaters of meat. 
for the drunkard and the, the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. This is used here to describe the life of those who decide to reject the wisdom of God. They will find themselves overcome by their desire, such as a drunkard and a glutton. Two groups of people, if you like, who are controlled by their desire to the point where they don't see that their desire harms them and it destroys them. The desire actually becomes something that, that, that controls or dominates all of their lives. That's what that picture there gives you. That picture of a glutton and a drunkard is two people who are controlled by their desire to a point where it destroys them. Bruce Walke once again puts it this way. He says, as he talks about the drunkard and the glutton, he says, their full stomachs empty their minds. Their full stomachs empty their minds so that they don't think with any reason. They don't see that the path they're going on is a path that does not end well. That's what he wants them to see about the hell of envy there. But Proverbs a little bit later continues to talk about this hell of envy. In Proverbs 27, we are told this. Anger is cruel and fury is like a flood. If you remember the floods just from a few years ago in KZN, you saw people's homes just being washed away. Cars being dragged. You just saw how disastrous a flood can be. How much it can destroy. Proverbs 27 verse 4 says, Anger is cruel. And fury is like a flood. But envy is even more dangerous. The New Testament writer James actually piggybacks on that very idea and says this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny it. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Did you hear that? Where you find envy, you find disorder and every evil practice. That sounds like hell to me, doesn't it? There you find disorder and every evil practice. It is shocking to see the kind of things people will say, the kind of things people will do, or even harbor in their hearts about someone else because of envy. Someone put it this way, a person who's green with envy is ripe for trouble. And most people do. Most people who are envious find themselves in all sorts of trouble because they're envious of the other person. Think, if you like, of Smeagol in Tolkien's Hobbit and Lord of the Rings that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Think of him. His relative, Dergo, finds a ring by the river. And you know what he does because he wants that ring so desperately? He kills his own relative. My precious I mean, we don't say that, but at the heart of it, it's that. My precious, I want that goodness. It's amazing the kind of things people would do. And the hell they will unleash on their lives and the lives of others because of envy. Let's first think about the hell they might unleash externally. You and I have seen someone who's ruined their friendship or the friendship of another person. Because they were envious. 
We've seen someone has ruined a marriage or their own marriage because they were envious. Someone has ruined families. Someone has broken up relationships at church or business partners because of envy. So this is what it does. This is the hell that it unleashes on our lives. But other than the external hell or turmoil that it brings, there's an internal turmoil that it brings as well. Listen to what one author says, actually, about this internal turmoil. He says this. This sin so, this particular sin, so affects our emotional roots and physical well-being that it makes us sick. It actually makes us sick. Envy is also related, he says, she says rather, to depression, anxiety, the development of prejudice, personal unhappiness. Not surprisingly, these negative mental states can impact physical health. Envious people can feel stressed and overwhelmed. Now, if you're stressed or overwhelmed this morning, or struggling with depression or anxiety, I'm not saying you're envious, but could it be? But could it be that your envy has driven you to that point? This is what Tim Callis, one author, says as he talks about this internal turmoil it brings. He says, when I see your life, it makes me think less of myself. It calls into question all that I am, all that I've done, all that I've accomplished, and all that I've I've worked for. It becomes an issue of my own identity. Your life screams that I have failed. I am incomplete. I am, I am unacceptable. And often the envious heart drives people to that, where they feel that they're unacceptable. The internal turmoil it brings. But there is hope. There's hope in our third point. So let's turn to the hope, the hope that is found in the gospel as we think about this. Let's go back to verse 18. Listen to verse 18. Verse 18 says this. Of, this is Proverbs 23, verse 18. It says, Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. This is talking about those who choose wisdom. But it's much more clear as you turn on the page in Proverbs 24. Let's keep reading. Listen to what verse 19 and 20 says. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now you see what Proverbs says about the destiny of those who choose to trust God, those who choose wisdom and those who don't? It's clear. Their destinies are different. So as you continue to read all through the book of Proverbs, you'll see that the destiny of those who trust in God is life. But the destiny of those who do not trust in God is death. Let me read a few verses for you to see the destiny of those who do not trust in God, who choose the path of folly. This is what is said about them. Those who are the guests of Madam Folly. Her house, those who have chosen to be the guests of Madam Folly, sinks down to death. And they will be cut off. They are led to the slaughter like an ox. Her guests are in the place of the dead. And then Proverbs 14 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. In the end, it leads to death. Whether we think that death is a death that is physical, the breaking up of relationships or or anything else, here's the thing. People who make foolish decisions or decisions that may harm them and others, 
those decisions at the end catch up to them. They do. And it could be a physical death in a literal sense. But as we read through the rest of the Bible, we see that there's a death that is much more worse than this, a death death, a separation from God, a spiritual death that comes to those who reject God's ways. So as we read the rest of the Bible, we see for those who choose to neglect God and his ways, their end is not good. But listen to what it says about those who choose to trust in God, who choose to follow after wisdom. Proverbs 10 says this, the wage of the righteous, the payment of choosing wisdom is life. Proverbs 12 says this, in the path of righteousness is life. And in this pathway, there is no death. And then Proverbs 19 says, whoever keeps wisdom keeps his life. And in the book of Proverbs, the overarching theme is you have this father who wants his son to choose wisdom, who instructs his son in wisdom so that his son would go on the path that leads to life. But you and I know that humanity is so terrible at choosing what is good for herself. You and I are terrible at choosing what is good for us. Even when the path of life has been laid out for us, it's not something that we actually walk to us to choose. And so what God does, because God longs for humanity to have this life, God the Father actually sends his own son who comes to this world to live the wise life that you and I couldn't. If there's anyone who actually lives out all of the words in Proverbs, and even Proverbs 31 that speaks of a woman there, that woman there that is spoken about in in Proverbs is characterized as wisdom. And that wisdom is found in Jesus who comes to live the wise life. He lives the wise life that you and I couldn't. But he then goes to the cross to die and rise from death, not only to overcome envy and every kind of sin, but to purchase for us the life that God has always promised for you, for humanity. A life where we are forgiven of every folly that we have decided to walk in. A life where you and I are actually adopted as sons and daughters of the Father. A Father who says to us in Matthew 6 and 7, I will care for you every need. You do not need to worry about tomorrow. A Father who says to us, ask, come to me and ask. And I will give what is best for you. Some of you saw my kids here, Njabulo and Lulu. I love them. I love them dearly. And as Matthew 7 says, if they came to me and asked for a fish, I would not give them a stone. And our Heavenly Father would not do the same. He gives us so much more in Jesus, but continues to care for us. But much more than care for us in this world, He is preparing for those who have trusted in him. A new world, a resurrected world, a renewed world, where there won't be any envy, no sickness, no brokenness, no load shedding, no shifting geopolitics. A world where we will get to enjoy the goodness of God in its fullness. Now here's the thing about envy. Envy. Envy tries to move your eyes away from that. From that identity you've been given as a son and daughter of God who's been forgiven, who's been adopted, who's been promised that you'll be a co-heir with Christ. What envy does is it tries to move your focus from that. As Paul Tripp says, envy tries to give us identity amnesia. 
tries to get us to forget what God has promised us. But I beg you, in the words of Mufasa to Simba in The Lion King, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember what God has already given you in Jesus and what he has promised you. Remember that. See, the gospel tells you this. The gospel says, you're not cursed with less. You're not cursed with less. But you are promised gloriously more that you can look around and envy in this world. You are promised so much more than this world could ever give. That's what the gospel says. So trust the grace of Jesus. And do not let envy, do not envy rob you of the comfort of the gospel, the comfort of eternity. Do not let envy make you forget your eternal future. Don't let it do so. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done for you in Jesus and remember what he has promised that he will continue to do. And you'll be surprised that when your confidence is in this God as Father, I mean on Father's Day, when your eyes are set on this Father who loves you, who dearly cares for you, you'll be surprised that you might end up thanking God for the goodness in the life of those that you are tempted to envy. You might actually ask God to give them more goodness. And with those who are not Christians, those whom we might be tempted to envy, your hearts will move towards them with compassion and pity. Because this world, as much as there's good in it, as much as there's benefit people can reap from it, it is still a broken world. And this world is the best that they will ever experience. And after it, there's death. So instead of feeling envy, our hearts should feel pity and compassion for them. That God's goodness and his patience would be something that causes them to come back to him. That God would even use us to bring them to himself. See, the hope in envy is found in the gospel, in this new identity we have been given. Remember who you are. Let me pray for us. Merciful God, we confess before you that envy, jealousy, and even bitterness so easily fills our thoughts, masters our hearts, and influences our actions, especially as we see the good fortune of those who reject you. Lord, forgive us and mold our lives, we pray, with your love that is patient your kindness that knows no end, and your wisdom which has formed us. Gracious God, open our eyes to this new identity we have been given in Jesus. As those who are forgiven, adopted, and those who will be heirs with Christ of the world to come. Father, won't you make us as wise as our Savior? our Lord and friend, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.